0: Krieger, what's happening? His mind brain is permanently rejecting his real
1: identity. Mind brain? That's a thing. Shut up. Mind brain? Mind brain?
2: Mind brain is mind brain? Mind brain is mind brain? Welcome to another episode of Mind Brain Movies. Oof, today we have a doozy of a film. We are talking about Perfect Blue, Satoshi Kon's premiere film. And if you've heard me in any other podcasts, you know I'm kind of a crazy nut job over Satoshi Kon. I (laughs) love his deep dive into psychological horrors. And, oof, yeah, this... He's coming out of the. He's coming out swinging in this one. And today, I am your hostess Hope. I will be your Sherpa into the mind brain, and I'm very excited to have my guests with me today. Our first guest would be Jesse. Hello. And our other guest, premiere to all of our good podcasts and everything. Super, super excited to welcome is Elizabeth. Hi. Elizabeth, um, is there anything you wanted to introduce? You want to introduce yourself? Let the people know a little bit about who you are and why I begged you to uh come on here and help us out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not that you had to try Mm -hmm. all that hard. As soon as you reached out, and I was like, yes, yes, please. Uh, Um, so I am um. Currently studying psychology, I'm trying to get my uh, PhD, but for the past year or so I've had a website and like a social media accounts where I talk about how um, geek culture can be used in the therapy session and how it's sort of like it can help us understand ourselves better and, you know, we can geek out and take care of our mental health at the same time. We just have to sort of reframe and re-enchant Um, our thoughts a little bit and so when you reached out I was like yes and I'm really excited about this movie like I was just geeking out with my brother the other day because I was like I it's not a movie I would have chosen for myself but after I watched it I was like
2: oh it is
0: incredible it is so great
2: (laughs) oh I'm so glad you love it like I said I am a wee bit obsessed with Satoshi Khan R.I.P. But all of his films are just, whew, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know with me, I initially got introduced to him through his anime series, which is Paranoia Agent. And that's that was a short, one-off, 26-episode anime. Again, totally psychological horror. And from there, I did a deep dive and just... Had to soak in all of his greatness through his other films, which, again, all have an underlying base of psychology, whether it's Paprika, Tokyo Godfathers, um, Millennium Actress, or this film, Perfect Mm. Blue.
1: Didn't he only make like five films before he passed away? He died young. Yeah,
2: yeah, uh, from cancer. Uh, we Jesse and I actually did an episode of one of his shows, Split the Difference, where we talked about his film, Paprika, and that was his last film he worked on before he died of uh, pancreatic cancer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Christopher Nolan promptly ripped off that movie to make Inception.
2: <laughs> God. And uh, we're not going to talk about that yeah. because we're here to uh, idolize Satoshi Kon right now. Exactly. Um. <laughs> the better movie. <laughs> exactly. Uh, perfect blue was his debut film it came out in 97 so we're talking about older school anime style on top of it so if you guys watch this and are wondering why doesn't it look like naruto or my hero it's because it came out in 97 so uh the the stylizations even from his first film to his last changed dramatically but um we're not here to talk about the stylization, as beautiful as it is. We're here to talk about the psychology behind mm-hmm. the film. Uh, Jesse, what was your first intro to this movie? Was it through here or had you seen it before?
1: Uh, I had seen Paprika, and I immediately decided to check out his other films, and I saw this one. Um, I remember it was like, i say it was about 10 years ago, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was about 10 years ago. And I really loved it. I haven't watched it since. I'm not sure. Not sure why. I need to put his stuff on a, like a continuous watch list because his stuff is so good. Um, yeah. God, this movie is phenomenal. It's it's so well done. And uh, to compare it to something that uh, we've talked about on another show, um, we discussed uh, a little bit of Moon Knight last uh, last uh, month when that wrapped up, and that's about a character that's suffering oh, with from D-I-D. with DID and. Uh, going through uh, massive psychosis, there's a lot of stuff that uh, probably influenced uh, Moon Knight from this.
2: <laughs>
1: it's there's a lot in oh, there. 100 percent. Yeah, a lot of the uh, like the there's a sequence that happens on the train where she sees uh, her mirror version of herself, and it's like, oh, that's the same scene that when he's staring at himself in the on the bus in uh, episode two. <laughs> it's yeah. it's the same scene. It's literally the same <laughs> scene. Yeah, so there's a lot of influence.
2: So much anime influences our daily lives nowadays. It's it's kind of insane um, to think that back in the day, I know I was a big anime head geek, whatever, back in the day, and I was, like, looked down upon, and now, now I'm an adult, and I'm like, ha, look at me now, guys. I win. I was in the cool kids club, and you didn't even know it. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, yeah, Elizabeth, Um this is your first time watching, and I, I got kind of, like, little blurbs here and there, like, little messages you had sent me, but I really want to know, like, I, I I know you're not too much into the, the horror-esque or, like, a little bit of the gore side, but I, I'm so glad you, like, latched on to this. So tell me a little bit, like, your, your thought process, maybe initially just your gut reaction before we get your professional cap on.
0: <laughs> so I didn't like, read anything or, like, knew anything except, like, the little brief description that you gave me about the movie, and I was like, oh, yeah, it sounds like you'd be great and something I would like, and then I just started watching it. And I was alone at the house at that time. It was morning, which was great. Because for like the last 45 minutes of the movie, I think I was just like yelling when something happened. And I just couldn't. And I was like, oh, I did not see that coming. And that was like me, like four or five times. And I was like, oh, Oh, no way. And then I think I'm like, I need to rewatch this movie like five more times. Because I think I still don't really know what happened or what's going on. There was like a lot. And but that's that's one of the things that I really liked about it though because it made me feel like all confused and stressed and I'm like that's how the character was. Like they were afraid, mm-hmm. they were exactly. scared,
2: confused and
0: I was like ah oh, that was nicely done. I like that.
2: Yeah, all of I would say maybe with the exception of Tokyo Godfathers because that's more of a heartfelt warm warm fuzzy movie um, a lot of his films are definitely multiple wa- not that you shouldn't watch Tokyo Godfathers multiple times because it's amazing um, but a lot of his films are they're hard to swallow in one when one go so yeah they, I remember definitely... the first time I saw
1: paprika I was kind of like what happened
2: <laughs> oh I remembered you just watching it for our episode for Split the Difference, Jesse, we're just like, I think I'm on, like, my third watch. I still need to see things. Yeah. I <laughs>
1: like, I, 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 I'm not, I'm still not completely sure what happened. I know I enjoyed it. I'm still not totally sure what happened, though.
2: <laughs> exactly. Like, and that's a lot of his films. Like, you, you really need to just soak it in multiple times to to get every nuance of what's going on. Um but i would say the 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 key topic even though there's probably as i that's one thing i know elizabeth was texting me the other day was oh there's like 50 topics we can talk about but it'll take 20 episodes and i'm like we have the one for now we can always revisit um <laughs> but or we can have our own discussions after the fact or whatever but i think a a big part of why i wanted to tackle this is because um again this was made in 97 a part a part of the movie was how do i use the internet Oh so, yeah um <laughs> yeah we yeah, So
1: that. Internet Explorer comes up i was like oh no Exactly <laughs> um
2: but it but my my biggest point is is that even though that was what almost almost 30 years now just uh, shoot me because i'm I feel old Yeah yes i know right um (laughs) but um even though it was made that long ago now it's still so pertinent to today's society with social media idolization of celebrities uh self self self-worth through an icon um and it tackles so many of these issues of how you can get wrapped up not only as a spectator, but as the actual celebrity itself uh, in all this craziness of just the lifestyle. Um, I mean, it, it's stupid, but an example that's happening today is the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp thing. Like, their entire lives are on blast right now. Oh, God, yeah. Of, you can't escape it, that. Exactly, and it's just because of the status of who they are in on social media. And even though it was basic social media back in the movie, it was still technically social media. It was like a, a blog chat room mm-hmm. you know, on the internet. It was.
1: Remember when um, chat rooms were a thing? <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> for all for all you. Uh, general Zers out there i'll uh send you links on on archives of what we're talking about um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um but yeah that's one thing i wanted to discuss especially you know today's society is such a huge thing everyone has at least one form of social media everyone has at least one celebrity they idolize or there's so many people nowadays their celebrities and not even in the practical sense like there's youtube and tiktok celebrities and things out there now where their lives can get twisted up in these sorts of things and their mental health can decline because of it so those are the main topics i wanted to tackle um because I feel like if I tried to tackle any other topics in this, I would need to write a 30-page thesis and take three <laughs> months to do. So. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes
1: sense. I mean, Satoshi Kon would always make his films incredibly dense. That way you'd have to go back mm-hmm. and watch them more than once. Exactly. Like, you can't watch exactly. Paprika and be like, oh, yeah, I totally got it. Like, I've seen it three times. I still don't know what the fuck happened in the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was about to say, that's next on your list, Elizabeth. Um, but... I was about
0: Good to say, luck. I was like, you guys are really selling it. Now I'm really curious as to like what this movie's about. Oh.
2: I, I was about to say, another one of his films as well, uh, deep dives into identity, would be his second film, Millennium Actress. Um, just to kind of pair it off with this, it's about a an old aging actress, and it's mm-hmm. She's retelling her life through how she was an actress, but she's also kind of mixing the movies she was in with reality because that's how she survived all those years of doing her job—is like method acting to the extreme. Yeah, basically, it's mm-hmm. basically oh. it's
1: basically Sunset Boulevard in mm-hmm. in many ways. It's kind of the film Sunset Boulevard
2: yeah and it's it that's another great,
1: yeah I know that's a gross oversimplification, yeah. but in general, that's what it kind of is
2: right, but again, just to tie it into perfect blue it's it's yeah, yeah, it sounds like I have to add it to my list mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like i I tell anybody, Satoshi Khan, watch all of his stuff, come join the church of khan um <laughs> i will I will lead you in our daily videos of worshiping him, I am totally down with this. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, a big, big part of why I love this dynamic with the, the three of us currently is as when I reached out to Elizabeth initially, Jesse and I, we, we're huge movie buffs, new movie nerds. We get the technical side, we get the critique side, you know, I'm a little bit half and half because I delved into the film industry as well as, you know, I did go to school for psychology and all that fun stuff, but I did not get as far as you, Elizabeth, so <laughs> you're you're actually a professional, and I like to reach out to you because you can kind of ground us <laughs> in what we're saying, and so we don't sound completely dumb when we talk about <laughs> <this>. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I want to sound sophisticated and great. And then you're in the corner like, help, just, shh, shh, I got this, (laughs) so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think we all have sort of, like, we can have a different perspective on it, like a different take, and it will all be completely valid, because there will be someone, or like a large group of people out there who are like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it.
2: But yeah, um, just like I was saying, so, um... I know you, I got your gut reaction and hearing your, you know, takes on what you were texting me throughout the process. It was, uh, those comments always like lit up my day and I was like, Oh, (laughs) so yay. Um, but now we can, um, kind of sidestep to putting your, your professional hat on. And, um, so what did, what is your take on these, um, nuances with the movie like from that professional standpoint like what what would you I know I know you said you're more into like having options and helping people with these things so what well, I want to hear your take so
0: like like as I was watching the movie I took like a whole bunch of notes and they're like all over the place and because there's so many different things that like sort of jumped at me that I was like oh this is fantastic or reminded me of something else um, that would be, like, a great topic for us to discuss. But, like, one of the first things that I wrote, it was a line um, from the movie that was, um, I think it was the the manager who said it, what about Mima's feelings? And that just sort of, like, stuck with me. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because everything that was sort of, all the decisions were being made for her. And sort of, like, she was pushed in, like, a certain direction. And then she was led to believe, oh, well, if I want to become an actress, this is what I have to do. Or this is what it takes, right? Um, But, like, feelings were never really, like, part of the equation for anybody. Not Mm -hmm. even for, for Mima. Like, she didn't even, like she kind of did think a little bit about them, but she was like, okay, well, what's next? Like, I have to go and record this other thing or, like, you know, do this photo shoot or whatever. But, like, she never really, like, stayed too long in, like, what her feelings were. Or, like, she was kind of like, well, yeah, I don't really want to do this, but I guess I have to. And then that led me... Yeah. Yeah, that led me to, um, to this sort of, like, bigger concept of the behind the scenes, right? Like we don't mm-hmm. really know that behind the scenes of other people's lives, like of the celebrities or the people who are creating content on social media, we only see what would be shown, right? Exactly. But we don't know that behind the scenes. So, but then we make judgments based on what we see. And that happens in real life. So much, especially now, like you were mentioning, like the trial with Johnny Depp and Amber. like mm-hmm. that happened before. Right. Like we didn't know anything about these two people, except we know that we saw them in movies, that um, they did interviews and we sort of created a persona for them, for who we thought they were. But that's all right. like from our perspective and our p- perspective is like colored by our experiences, by our own thoughts, by, you know, our life. So it's it wasn't really them; it was who we thought they were.
2: Exactly until it's really turned upside down and shown to us. Like, all right, let me empty out the pockets now. You.
1: Yeah, I love the fact that uh, with this trial that's happening, uh, many people were uh, going to be defending Amber Heard because. They, had heard, they heard her coming out against Johnny Depp saying that he was abusive, but it turns out with the, all the stuff that had been recorded and everything he was showing, he's like, oh, it seems that she was the worst one of the, of the pair. So,
2: right. Yeah.
1: The fact that Amber Heard still has supporters is just amazing to me. It's just.
2: Well, you're still surprised that Zack Snyder still has supporters, so there's that. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. <laughs> By the wow. way, Elizabeth, Jesse can't stand Zack Snyder. Yeah, I, I hate oh. his movies. Well, they're a little dark for me.
0: Like just visually dark and like I have trouble seeing yeah. so like it just yeah, it's not my cup of tea either. Yeah. I,
1: I can segue that into something. So I, I wanna talk about the <laughs> So I wanna talk about the rape scene a little bit. I know it's a touchy subject. Uh the uh,
2: oh well, that's a huge part as I, I did want to mention that with yeah. what Elizabeth was saying was her feelings and how there was that scene where she said, you think I wanted to do that? No, but I did it. Yeah. And then she doesn't even truly process that. She just kind of like cries for two seconds, then pushes forward. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. The the reason I wanted to segue is because uh, there's in every one of Zack Snyder's movies, there's always a rape scene. <laughs> And he loves to put that in, and he he thinks it's it it, it adds flavor to his movies, yeah. or he's like like the way the uh, the rape scene in Watchmen is filmed. It's filmed like a porno. It's uh, un- yeah. it's uncomfortable, it and yeah, it's, it. it glorifies it. It's creepy. It's weird. Um, whereas with the scene in this film, it's clearly not real, but the feeling of it is still there there's even that moment when that guy that's on top of her whispers in her ear i'm so sorry
2: yeah <laughs> like yeah. that
1: that that hurts <laughs> yeah there's um if you want and the way that uh it it's edited it makes it feel like it's kind of it, it's it's showing like the male perspective of it and then they hard cut the director yells cut and you see all the crew just kind of standing there just staring it yeah. it's so creepy and so weird it, it's uh there's another film um Gaspar Noé's Irreversible where uh, oh, the, gosh. the infamous Gaspar Noé Noé, yeah. Uh there's a scene where Monica Bellucci is violated on like a disgusting hallway floor and it's like a 15 minute uncut shot and the way they filmed it was Bar Noé had the entire crew leave the set. He was in there with the camera and he let the two actors carry out the scene and the moment they got on the ground, he put the camera on the ground and walked out of the room. He just let them carry on the scene and when he eventually just yelled cut, they just stopped and then everybody went back in and got the stuff and left. Wow. Yeah, because <laughs> he's like, yeah, this is disgusting.
2: Yeah, because no one should actually watch this.
1: Yeah, no one should be like- watching <laughs> this. <laughs>
0: Well, then, why did he film it? Well, but also, I just think about like the (laughs) two actors, like what did it feel like for them?
1: I mean, I I think I think those two actors were in a relationship at the time, so they were clearly like, you know, I I think at the time they were they were dating, so it was like they were they were comfortable with each other. Um, Well, but
0: even then, like there is. There was the message that was being sent, right? Like that nobody was supposed to watch that because it was sort of yeah. like dirty and like something nobody should watch. Yeah. But then, like, didn't that send the message to the actors that you shouldn't be doing this? Or what kind of person? Sh- true, know, would do that's this? true. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it it and, it's, it yeah. makes it makes the points.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, yeah.
2: It's it's kind of it, in there's been other films that have It's a, it's this a gray point. area for sure. Um yeah there there's been other films that address this point like yeah we're making this but you're the one paying to watch it. Uh so it, it's it's like yeah. it's expo- it's trying to expose you the person just like I guess how this uh the the show they they were filming in perfect blue the uh double bind. Yeah. You know they're they're trying to say like oh you know, this might be crazy and, and skeevy and everything, but guess what? You're watching. So yeah. what's that say about you? Uh, and, and that helps, like, you self-reflect, like, oh, wh- well, wh- why am I watching this, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, art shouldn't always make you feel good. hmm You know? Like, look at anything by Lars von Trier. Like, all of his movies make you feel like complete shit by the end. Especially Antichrist.
2: Oh, that's a whole other beast, Jesse. <laughs> that's a whole <laughs> that's other thing. Whole other we don't need beast. to get into that one. Uh, but uh, but and that kind of also divulges into therapy and of the self. Like, yeah, therapy. The end results to make you feel better, but you gotta you gotta trudge through the mud. You know, it, it's not easy. It is. It is hard work. Uh, and you know, that's another. if you're if you're gonna seek help you know you you need to put the work in just like with anything else because there's so much you can unpack and unwind and just uh, as uh rena or rima or whatever rimi i forget her her manager's name but who the one who was like well how does mima feel you know she Mm -hmm. she was kind of like the uh, initial initially you thought, oh, she was the voice of reason. You know, she was the one looking out. She was the one in her corner. Um, You know, and then lo and behold at the end. um, (laughs) But so it's, that's another thing that I thought was crazy interesting is how the film played out. She, like I said, she was the voice of reason. You know, like she would say go up to Mima and be like, Hey, you don't have to do this. We can find another script, we can find another job. Um you know, this why why are you pursuing this when it's clearly affecting you? Mm -hmm. And and that really hits too like you know, that that's true. Why are you doing this? There's a thousand shows. There's a thousand other things you could probably be doing. So what attracted you to this?
0: And, and you know what? Like, she was the, sort of like the voice of reason and she was there trying to help. But for some reason, her voice was kind of quiet. Like, all the other voices that Mima was sort of, or other people's opinions that she was listening to mm-hmm. were a lot louder and I feel like that oh, yeah. happens a lot, like just in, you know, in, I guess, show business, but also like in our regular life when someone's trying to comfort us or to be like, hey, maybe that's not a good idea. That voice is kind of like super small compared to all the other voices that mm-hmm. we hear, like that, all the other opinions. A
2: fantastic point. Yeah.
1: Well, also, it feels like she has no agency. She's, she's being told what to do by everybody else. For everybody else's benefit. It it feels like she doesn't really have any. uh, Any uh, agency of her own. Within her own story. And that's why she's so distraught. For the majority of the film. By the end of the film. She finally reclaims her own sense of independence. Mm -hmm.
0: And and that's Mm. a really good point. I, I like that you brought it up. Because. There was, I think there's a line where she actually says, I have to do this as a thank you for, like, my managers and, like, my team because they're working so hard. So it wasn't, mm-hmm. she wasn't doing it for herself. She was doing it out of gratitude. And that kind of led me to, like, another rabbit hole because we do a lot of things. Um to because we think it's going to help the other person because you know we think it's going to be of benefit but in the end it's not really helping anybody right but then we're led to believe oh well if I only just do this or if I stay at this job that I hate surrounded by you Mm -hmm. know all these horrible people like I'll be able to provide for my family and this is sort of like you know the life of a parent or like if I get a good job or if I study this thing that I don't really like but it's gonna make me a lot of money then you know I'm gonna be better off like we make decisions like that all the time and like we don't kind of think about like you know what about Mima's feelings what about like what actually is happening that kind of like led me to um I always sort of like give this example of well actually I was making something I was making a, a I think a post um Mm -hmm. and the post was about like um how do you help other people because like when someone comes to us and they're feeling sad or like stressed or you know they're going through something my me personally my instinctive reaction is to try to fix the problem but maybe that's not what they need right
2: yeah I yeah sometimes you know we might want to fix it, but sometimes they just need a, a shoulder to cry on. They don't need the the problem to be solved. They just need someone to, to hear what the problem is. Right. And I think that's a lot of times overlooked, unfortunately, because I honestly, I know me personally, like I like to solve my own problems, but sometimes I just want to, I just want to bitch about it. But when everyone's <laughs> like, oh, well, let, well, well, let me fix it. I'm like, no, I got it. But just it's let of, me vent.
0: <laughs> like, and, and this is how like us just as human, we tend, we're so like self-involved sometimes because it's very uncomfortable. It can be very uncomfortable when someone comes to us with a problem because they're like, oh no, what do I do now? What am I supposed to say? What is the perfect thing? Right. Like what, what is it that I'm supposed to do at this moment? And then we sort of like panic and then we do something. And I, I remember it was the movie from Frozen, the second one. Um where um I forgot his name, but Anna's boyfriend tells, him, tells her, What do you need?" because she's going sort of off and like she's distressed and she's spewing these things out, and he has no idea what's going on, but all he says is, What do you need?" And I'm like, yes, that's exactly it. And like in this movie to tie back, uh and not mm-hmm. go on some random tangent. Like in this movie, that's what <laughs> happens. Like everyone is sort of involved in their own problems, and nobody's really considering like the other people, like the, the rest of the team. Like right. um, the man the uh I guess it is a Runa or Rooney, <laughs> um, the manager. Uh she's yeah, like just yeah. so super concerned about her image, and they're like, Oh, what about her feelings and stuff? But she never really stops to ask like what do you think or what do you want to do? Like she's just arguing. Yeah, she for never
2: her. asked her directly. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. And then like the other person, I'm not really sure what his job is. The guy that's working I with her. I think them.
2: he was Yeah, I think she was kind of like I think the the female she was kind of like the the go between and he was the actual like head of the agency. So okay.
0: Yeah, he was sort of like concerned about you know the fact that like they might have just ended her career because they moved her from you know being a, a pop star to like a movie star, and they're like, oh, she's not getting as many things. So he's concerned with his own problems, but he's like not mm-hmm. really fully paying attention to you know right. the, his actual clients, like right, yeah, and everybody's sort of off doing what they think it's best, and nobody's really talking
2: Mm mm-hmm well and i think is there's one issue that i that can come into play with this film that i will admit i have no goddamn idea um (laughs) is i i could tell you a bit more about maybe modern um like how the modern cinema field is in Japan today. I have no idea what it was like back in the 90s.
1: Oh, I have no idea either.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's thing like, I have no idea. So I have no idea if that was standard or if that was an extreme or so that would be something I would love to know is was that kind of the standard for filmmaking in the process and the actors at the time in japan or is this just kind of like an extreme case where this young girl is just kind of being taken advantage of because she's young and dumb um so that's something i would like to to know as well and i mean obviously i it's not like i can hop back in time with an adult brain and, and look but <laughs> um <laughs> but that w- that's something interesting i'd love to be able to find out you know that could play a whole like, factor into everything that's going on in this movie as well. I know there's a lot of films um, that do rely on culture-based things in order to explain it. Um, perfect example, hopping back to our show Split the Difference, when we did Ringu versus The Ring, the original Japanese versus uh, the American remake. In Japan, yeah. it's normal for a little five-year-old to take the subway and the bus by him, by themselves 20 miles away to go to school because yeah. it's so regulated. Everyone, you know, the, it's like...
1: It's a safer it's country, a con- yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a safer country. It's not a concern. Whereas if you we saw that in the American version, we're like, that makes no sense. That kid would have been yeah. snatched up in five seconds away from his door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the story, it, story like doesn't translate. A, Exactly, so it, it's a total cultural difference too. So I have no idea if that might possibly play into it as well. Because um, one thing I do know, like in Japan, the there there is a loose translation, aishitaro, um, which means like it's a very loose way of saying like "I like you," "I love you," but that you never really hear it It, it, i feel like it was kind of made for americans (laughs) um (laughs) um, i mean the word i which means love ai not just the letter i but um Mm. i which is love i mean there is in there but it's 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 so different like the way that they express love and everything is also way different in japan as well um they're a bit more Reserved in that aspect, um, so that that's a whole other take. I would lo- love to dive into as well with how things are being affected because their their cultural and how things are handled is way different. Especially we're talking back twenty five plus years ago. Now is on top of it, um, where they're even more so conservative compared to today. Well, but isn't
0: that what makes this movie so amazing? Because you can look at it from, like, tons of different perspectives and still get something, like, incredible out of it. Because, like you mentioned, like, we don't really know what the culture for, you know, movie making or, you know, singers was back in the day in Japan or maybe Mm -hmm. even how it is now um, I'm right. I, I don't really have any personal experience on what it's like here in the u s either, but then I feel like I kind of heard in some way or form like stories like this in the past where like people just felt pressure to do something to like make a movie or you know do a tour or whatever it was because Mm -hmm. it was sort of needed or because somebody in their team told them that they needed to but it could also be like the other way around right maybe it was a call from um this director this creator to the people and be like yeah you guys don't really handle this business very well maybe you should like do some reflecting (laughs) as well
2: i was about to say jesse you you would know about that aspect a little bit more than us because um you're you're on sets constantly so you you kind yeah. of see get that background of it all like you you see the nitty-gritty when it comes down to it There's there's stories that you've told us where i'm like oh boy avoid them okay got it <laughs>
1: yeah yeah there's i've been on plenty of sets where you know shit's falling apart or everything's a mess like uh, I just got notifications that literally one year ago uh, this week, I was working on a pilot in Baltimore, and uh, it was a train wreck. <laughs> it was a mess of oh, a show to gosh. work on. Oh, gosh. That I pilot. remember
2: you, you, you called me like every day after that, that sucked. shoot. sucked. Oh. And you were just like, I hate my life.
1: If it wasn't raining, it was blazing hot outside. It sucked. Oh. And then the pilot didn't even get picked up. I was
2: oh, going to say, man. it wasn't even that. It was the fact that it was pouring down rain in back alleys of Baltimore. Oh yeah. So it's like rat swamp water. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, there was Hits rats. Of... Rats were literally yeah.
1: climbing on our gear. It was great. It was wonderful. Ugh. But yeah, like there's a lot of um the way that the film set is portrayed in uh in this film, it's it's pretty accurate. It, it's pretty accurate to how it actually is. A lot of people are just kind of bored standing around on set. Like it's Everyone's just kind of waiting for the day to end. <laughs> like, there was somebody, I can't remember who it was. Somebody wore a shirt to set one time. It said, um, where's Crafty? When's lunch? When do we wrap? Like, that was all it said on the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's how everybody kind of feels. There's some people that are, like, genuinely really, really, really want to be there, like, every day. And, I, you know, I want to be there. But at I, the same time, it's like, if it's say, like. There, yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I was going to say, me, with Mima, she was, like, she had her one line. in in that first scene, and she, like, she was there. She was repeating it over and over and over again, and everyone else is just like, oh, hey, so I want to get beers after this? And she's just, like, so focused on her three-word line. Mm Yeah. You know? Wants to make a good impression. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I can see where you're talking about the the extremes between wanting to be there and just, it's another day. (laughs) Yeah. I
1: mean, a lot of actors start out with, like, just one line, you know? Oh, like yeah, a, I mean, there's a, I can't remember what movie it was. Harrison Ford in his first film, like he literally had a single line of dialogue as like a postman. And then he just walked away. And that scene was cut from the movie that he was in. I can't remember what it was. Um, but yeah, like some actors just start with literally a single line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know.
0: But, you know, we sort of forget about that. Like once they're like huge names out there, we sort of forget about how they all started. We just sort of always mm-hmm. like but I think it's a funny thing about memory though, because when we look back our own life or other people's life, it's like we're so biased because we know they're such <laughs> great actors, you know? And then so we're like, oh yeah, they were great in everything they did, even if they had that like one two one or two lines. And I'm like, no, uh, you know, they have good days and bad days, too. Like, we can't just, like, completely idolize them and be, like, they were so talented from the day they started. Whatever.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, how many people here remember that uh, Tom Hardy was in the movie Lair Cake? I do. (laughs) (laughs) He had, like, two lines.
2: (laughs) But I remember because I love that movie. (laughs) I
1: do, too. I do, too.
2: Uh, but well, I'm also like a freak that can tell you every line of a Clockwork Orange movie, but I can't tell you what seven times six is. So I mean, I'm just weird. Um, <laughs> it's it's so. it's
1: the seven times six is the meaning of life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, forty-two.
1: Yeah, life, the universe, and everything. Yeah.
2: The, see, I I knew there's a reason I picked out those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> That's how my. Br- that's how my brain works.
1: It's supposed to technically be six times nine equals forty-two, but you know, we'll that that's we'll get into that some other time.
2: <laughs> right, but again, <laughs> that's how my brain works. I'm moving forward, life second, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh.
1: So I'm curious, have any of you guys read the book this is based on? I haven't.
2: No, I have not. Um, so it is based off of a book Uh, a lot of what satoshi khan does actually is um based off books and then he will rewrite it for film but i know perfect blue millennium actress and paprika they all came from original uh stories that were translated by him into film um no, I have not read it, but By, like, I would Japanese love to a- get my hands authors? on a copy. Yes. Oh, okay. I would love to get my, um, my hands on a copy of the original source material, because I think that would be so interesting. Just like um, Paprika's original story base, that was originally a novelization that got split up into serializations that was distributed through... A women's magazine like bi-weekly or something and then once it got caught on it went back to being like a book book and then that's when satoshi picked it up um but with perfect blue yeah it's based on perfect blue complete metamorphosis by yoshikazu takuichi um
0: wait you know the, the one thing that i was sort of wondering throughout the whole movie because I was just mm-hmm. thinking right now that you guys were talking about, like, how things came to be, like, the background of, you know, the story. And I'm like, oh, isn't that amazing yeah. how, like, sometimes a work of art can inspire a story, like, a book to be written, and then it becomes a movie, and then it becomes all of these things. And it's, like, so amazing, right? Because it, it has so many sort of lives, and then there's so many mm-hmm. um, people that can enjoy it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then I, I was thinking, oh, why wasn't anybody... Thinking like, oh, she can be both a singer and an actress. Why does she only have to be one?
1: I think that just wasn't, I think that at the time that wasn't considered possible by a lot of people, especially in Japan. I mean, now it's yeah. normal. Now it's considered normal to do
2: that. I, yeah, I was about to say, it's kind of weird if you don't kind of dip your hands into both fields, but I think at the time, um, I know what they were saying like they were like you oh you can't you know make a pop well because back then I know in Japan pop idols were very like cute and kawaii and like you know they there there's a certain image they had and that if and it did not cross over with drama and like real true acting it it's um I would say a perfect example was before The Rock, you never saw a wrestler in movies or Um, shows or anything other than just being on WWE. Now, you can't turn a corner without some sort of wrestler being on a show or a movie. There's um, John Cena as Peacemaker. There's Sasha Banks as uh, she was in The Mandalorian. There's, Mm -hmm. you know
1: de batista yeah
2: de, de batista is uh, who's
1: actually a very good actor by the way he's, oh yeah he's a genuinely no, great, great actor yeah
2: yeah but but that's the thing like back 20 plus years ago you never would have seen that the most mm-hmm. you would have seen is like um macho man randy savage in a slim jim commercial you know <laughs> uh, that well, was the extent of acting hulk hogan um,
1: tried to be an actor for a bit <laughs>
2: Yeah, well again, I guess <laughs> that, that, cro- that did Let's not cross that did not over well. <laughs> that did not cross over No, <laughs>
1: no. no. Let's try but to forget that, that it never happened.
2: That proves the point though, that back then there was there was no crossover and it's just because I guess people didn't know how to go about it per se. Um and and that's true for a lot of things. Yeah, it just makes
0: me think of how as humans, we like to have things categorized. We like things to fit in a ni- nice, neat little box. And, yes. Well, no, there's so much potential that we have. That so many things that we can do, things that we haven't even like thought of or imagined, we're able to do. But for some reason, we just want things to stay and never change, like never progress. Um, because it's it's more comfortable, we feel more comfortable that way. Like to see certain singers always just singing, you know, or comedians only do mm-hmm. stand up. That's who they are. And then we start labeling people. Oh, this person's a comedian. But they're making movies. They're
2: typecasted, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm like, why? Because we're, I, I, again, I think it goes back to like, we create this image of them, Right. And then like the PR team, I don't know if this is true or not. I'm just guessing, um, just sort of gets that, oh, this is what the majority of the people see you as. So this is what you have to be. And like we kind of have to hide or like never talk about the other aspects of yourself. And like that's one of the things Mm -hmm. that I I guess I like now about some of the really famous, um, you know, actors or performers out there, because they're like just sort of admitting they're human they make mistakes they're not always great yes. you know and like yeah that they're just kind of, they're just like us we're not always in a good mm-hmm. mood we're not always wanting to talk to people you know so and that's how they are too but for some reason we think that they have to be because it's their job you know well, and put like put them on a pedestal
2: we, yeah yeah
0: we go to work and then we leave work and then we come home why can't they do that like famous people almost have to be like on it, like at work, twenty four seven, and that's that's crazy, but that's what we expect them to be or to do.
2: Well, yeah, and um, going back to with Mima and how she got um mania, how he had the chat room or like the, the, like basically into her life, and she's like, oh, well, let me see what I did today, even though she didn't really do it, you know, because they were just so involved in her life. You know, getting the inside detail, it's like... And that that's how it is with today, like, through social media and paparazzi and everything. There's some people that know everything about celebrities because they're just... They just de- do this deep dive into their lives. And there's no privacy. Just like how he's like, oh, I love to look into Mima's room. And it's like, uh, that, that's my life though dude like why are you looking at why are you looking at me while I'm in my living room you know like <laughs>
0: it, I, I thought it was like a great transition because like the first few times that Mimo goes into the chat room she's like oh this person really knows me and she's kind of flattered and she loves it she loves going mm-hmm. in until she starts realizing how deep it actually goes like how much they're actually stalking her
2: yeah, it's not just a flirtation. It's a it's a stalk. Yeah, yeah, kind kind of like um, you know, at, at first like you're you you have a secret admirer and you're like, oh, that's nice, until they show up at your door with like, y- you know, some weird ass um. Oh, per- funny and uh, the fun funny perfect thing is there's an episode of American Dad, <laughs> <or> Roger <laughs> where Roger has a crush on Haley. And she's like, oh, Roger, thanks for the crush. And then he's like, ends up shooting her and she's in the hospital. And he's like, I got you, Christina Aguilera's larynx, because you like to sing like her. And and it just went from like, cute crush to, holy crap, like, I need to go to another country to get away from you. Obviously, that's a stupid comedic extreme, but that's kind of how it was for Mima. Because it went from like this one part-time security guard looking out for her and she's like, oh, well, thank you to, oh, he, he's, he's he going to rape and kill me because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not exactly who he says I am. Because I wanted to change as a person, but he couldn't handle that change because yeah. that wasn't his idol anymore. But how he's like, yeah, I, I, the real Mima, you know, told me to kill you. It's like, she's like, I am the real Mima, though. Like, what the hell?
1: <laughs> yeah, the shared psychosis between all three of these characters. Uh,
2: yes, and that's yeah. another trippy thing. Because we have the real Mima, the DID Mima, and then the psychotic fanboy Mima. <laughs> like, and how all three, like, come together is just it, it, it's insane how basically even though it's three separate people it still ended up being like one person so to say even though it was three separate people and that's that's where it gets so trippy in the movie you know because of how it's played out you do think it's all the same person but then it but you also know it's not the same person so it's it's so like Oh, I would. I don't know if I'd love to watch this high or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't. Like, I don't know if I'd be more freaked out or I'd enjoy it more. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think it would make it worse. <laughs> yeah,
2: like just
0: the paranoia everywhere.
2: <laughs> and then I just like sit there, like the like putting up planks on all my windows after the fact or something, like. <laughs> But, paprika, um, I can
1: understand watching that high. That
2: totally makes oh, sense. Well this that, one, yeah. Yeah, well paprika is just a orgasmic visual visual orgasmic amazingness, you know. It's so visual. This one's definitely more mind based than visual base. So Yeah. Not that, that paprika isn't mind based, but it it's definitely yeah. vision first, mind second.
1: Yeah, this is much more restrained compared to most of his other stuff.
2: Well, and again, this is uh, Satoshi Kon's very first debut director yeah, yeah film. So still finding
1: he, his footing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And damn, if he's still finding his footing with this, then... Well, I mean, we now see the other films he's made, so... Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Bra- yeah. Bravo to him, but... Like, I, I'm, I'm thinking back to, if I were to see this as his first, not knowing what his future would bring, I'd be like, well, damn, if this is his first, shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can only wait for his next.
1: Yeah. Can we bring up the uh, the time displacement element of the film? Oh where... my
2: gosh, yes. Yes, 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 yes.
1: Yeah. So I, I can kind of relate to that a little bit because there's points where um, she goes to bed, wakes up and like her room is filled with more crap. (laughs) Like just more stuff in the room. Like where'd all this come from? And, and, uh, for somebody that works in the film business, like I, I will basically when you work on a film or a TV show, that is your life. You wake up, you go to work, you come home, you get a shower, you go to bed. That's your life. There are days that I don't even remember on a lot of TV shows. I'm like, I know I worked on all of that show. I remember like three days out of a (laughs) hundred. And so you kind of just become a drone at a certain point.
2: Well, because it's the monotony, especially. The monotony
1: of it all. Yeah, you wake up, you go to work, and you come home. There's not much to it.
2: And unlike a normal, quote unquote, nine to five, like movie sets can be, your normal day can be a 12-hour day.
1: Yeah, and 12 is normal. Yeah, 12 is a normal day. That's
2: what I'm saying. 12 is normal, let alone like long days. So you have to factor that in as well and, yeah, I mean, it gets, I mean, I, I somewhatly kind of understand because I work overnights. So I, my whole schedule's way opposite of everybody else's. So mm-hmm. there's times where I'm like, you said what now? Like, and I know um, my big thing is like when it hits, because I, I do work quote unquote Monday to Friday. Um, but my, my week doesn't end until Saturday morning. And those Saturdays are make or break for me. And I don't, yeah. there's sometimes I don't remember Saturdays because I either sleep all day and waste my day, or I make five pots of coffee and I power through <laughs> just to not waste a day. And but then at, by the next day I'm like, what happened? Like mm-hmm. I'll have to turn. I'll have to like turn to somebody and be like, what did I do? I mm-hmm. don't remember. Yep. There, there's days where. Like, Jesse and I will record on those Saturdays. And I'm like, Jesse, did we actually record? Is my stuff in the drive? Did I? What? <laughs> and you're, just like, it's okay. you're like, it's okay. I got it. I got it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go crazy now. Bye. <laughs> because, so...
0: And isn't that the expectation it, of adult life?
2: I mean, yeah, but I the, the whole overnight life kind of throws me off, too, because I'm...
0: No, I mean, like, what what you get both saying that, like, you know, you just kind of wake up and go to work and then come back. And then, like, everything is either the same or you lose track of time. That's sort of, like, what's expected. And then, like, part of me is like, no, no. Like, life has to be more than just going to work and, like, being an adult. Like, life can be fun. You can make life fun. Like, in those times where you're just, you know in a routine and, and forget about it. Like, you can re-enchant your life again. You can geek out <laughs> throughout your day, and it will be great for your mental health. But as adults, we sort of have this sort of, like, societal, expecta- societal expectation that it has to be boring or that life is not as glamorous as we thought it could be. But it... Mm. I was
2: about to say, isn't there that... Um like the basic example like how your creativity as a child is it's it's boundless because you don't know the responsibility and then as you grow older the the creativity shifts with responsibility so it's like it it kind of drowns it out and it, it's sad but it, that's what does happen
0: yeah the, the way that I see it is not so much like with responsibility but then you're like starting to be fit into boxes Right? Because like once That's the child true. starts yeah. growing up, you're like, Oh, you're a student now and you have to do this. Also, oh, you ha- you're like, you know, a working adult or you're a teenager or, and these are the responsibilities that you have to have. Like you just start like people start throwing labels at you. And then so the possibility the endless possibilities are narrowed down to the things that people say around you. Because oh, no. right? like um I love listening to like interviews for like um writers and directors and like just actors and then they talk about like sometimes some of them talk about how oh yeah and no, their parents they encouraged you know all the crazy things that they did when they were little but that's not always the case for everyone like as we grew up correct just, yeah like we're just being told oh well isn't this like the fight that that happens a lot where like there's a belief that girls mature faster but that's because they're expected to. Boys are not expected to, so then they don't. They they get to be young or, like, you know, have less responsibility than, than girls does because we expect girls to be nurturing and caring and take care of others, and then so we encourage that. Whether we do it consciously or not, we sort of expect that and we praise that. So then that child learns, oh, this is a good thing. I need to do more of
2: this. Right and that that's brought up know, yeah, and, and that that again kind of ties back into how Mima she was labeled as the pop star and then she wanted to break that label and then she you know so she's indebted of breaking that label so it, it it's just it's so crazy how again these labels can can box you in where i honestly um this kind of reminds me of one of my ther- one of my therapy sessions I had. Um, where I was talking to my therapist, and she says it was like the one of the first initial sessions I had with her, like just getting to know her still. And the first thing out of her mouth was, "I hate diagnosing," and I was like, "Well, that, that, that's kind of your job. Um, <laughs> that's the whole point." Yeah, of that's th-
1: that's her job,
2: right? But, but but hear me out, hear me out. She was like, I hate diagnosing and giving you an exact diagnosis. And I was like, again, kind of your job, but I'll hear you out. And she's like, because once I give you a diagnosis, nine times out of ten, people hold on to the diagnosis. They don't hold on to the therapy. Yes. And I was like, and I, was like I, I, I and as soon as she said that, I was like, okay i'm starting to see what you mean because then they'll be like oh i'm bipolar i i'm gonna make excuses for myself because i'm bipolar now or i'm you know uh did and that's the excuse i'm gonna make instead of working on the actual therapy and the help you need so so once she explained that to me i was like okay and then I kind of leaned into her. I was like, okay, but I do need you to diagnose me because I need my, my happy pills now, please. Um. Well, it, and that's sort of like
0: the, the fine line that therapists or like mental health professionals have to sort of walk. Because I made a, a, um, a post about this the other day where I talked about how like the mental health field is so young. There's still so much we don't know. So like the books that we use to diagnose people, they're supposed to be more of a guideline. They're not like a fact. And, mm-hmm. like, people sometimes get lost in the whole, like, oh, well, I'm this. Or, like, I'm, I have ADHD, so I can't concentrate. So I'm not even going to try or even bother, right? Or this is my excuse. Right. But there are times when we, when we are given a diagnosis and then you're, like, mind blown. And you're like, oh, it all makes sense. It's not because mm-hmm. I was lazy or because I wasn't trying hard enough. It's because of this. And then mm-hmm. those are, those moments are great but like there's like this you know mental health professionals have this balance where like we have to give you a diagnosis so that we can continue seeing you so then the you know the insurance company pays us or so that we can prescribe you medications but like I guess being aware the fact that your therapist told you that on like one of your first few sessions is amazing because I don't think a lot of us um flat out say that but but it's great like Too late, you know. Oh, "Oh, I totally
2: respected her for it. I was like, okay, you you got yourself a permanent client, permanent client (laughs) because of that. Because I I I personally I love bluntness. Like I don't like beating around the bush. I'm the type of person. I'm like, look, I can be a little, you know, dumb sometimes. Just flat out say it. That way I can move on, you know. Mm -hmm. Um. So, so I I totally respected her when she said that, and then. again i was like okay but give me my diagnosis because i i I need my meds now like i know what meds i need just just give me my shit (laughs) but at the same time i did respect her i was like okay i know what you're saying i'm totally not going to use that as an excuse or anything like i will do the work i promise but yeah
0: (laughs) and and this is gonna like lead me to like probably slightly controversial topic but um
2: Hey, we're down Down for controversy. Controversy means views. (laughs) Views means more people. More people means craziness. And I love craziness.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm about for, like, talking about it. So then people, like, become aware of it. Because, like, this is a thing. Like, um, I'm Mexican. So, like, my view is colored by sort of what I grew up seeing around Mm -hmm. me. But, like, um, sometimes when someone is a professional we take whatever they're saying as a fact we take it as this is the absolute truth there can be no other reason and this is how i'm gonna live my life now because Mm -hmm. they are a doctor they are a lawyer they are whatever profession they might be and i feel like that's part of sort of like what happened in the movie right like when mima did that photo shoot um
2: Uh, When they were saying, oh, he's notorious for getting all the clothes off. And then, lo and behold, she was doing naked photos. (laughs) Even though she didn't have to, it ended up being. But she
0: was being told by a professional who she thought was a professional. And she was like, okay, but this is what it's done. So, like, I guess I have to. Right? And then that Mm -hmm. kind of, like, leads me to, like, another one. But that's one topic. (laughs) And we can dive more into that a little bit later. (laughs) But, like, in the movie... Like, I was like, every time, like, the photographer ended up dead, and then the director of that one, like, rape scene ended up dead too, right? Like, when they were oh, the, dead,
2: the creator, yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it was kind of like, who's to blame for this happening? And at first, it was like, oh, it can't be the actress because she's being manipulated and she's being told. And there was a little bit of that element, right? And, mm-hmm. um, but then, was it? the um, the photographer was it the director was it the persons that she was working with was it her team like who had the responsibility for the way that her image like I guess right. sort of went the completely opposite of way of they what they originally wanted um her image to be and and we have well, it's, that
2: a lot of people yeah a lot of people are you know everyone has a say in it so you know um, you you can place blame on anybody, but it at the end of the day, it's ever it's kind of like a group fault, you know? Right? It, it's yeah. fault on Mima because she could have said no. It's no on the photographer because he could have been a bit more classy. It's no on the creator because he he's just trying to get views and not care about his actors, you know? So like, at the again at the end of the day, it, it's the blame is on everybody but it's also on nobody so it's it, it's a it's a weird gray area for sure
0: yeah and like so i had i did a panel for um uh, fandom forward a few weeks ago and this topic came up because we were talking about moon knight and the portrayal of did and like or just mm-hmm. the portrayal of mental health in um the marvel cinematic universe and um Some of the therapists, they're like, oh, well, I don't agree with it. They should be working better. And I'm like, well, they're an entertainment company. Are they supposed to be showing this in a better light or like do a better job of showing what therapy is like or what mental health is like? Like, is that their responsibility or is that the responsibility of like people like us, like professionals to say something and be like, hey, this isn't right. And, um, you know we need to do something to change it. So I, I think it's like the same thing where like it's everyone's responsibility and like nobody's kind of.
1: Well, they even though they are a entertainment company, they they have a responsibility to at least address some of that stuff. Like I think we were talking about this a bit with Black Widow and how that, that film opens up with human trafficking um, mm-hmm. of children. And that, not that Disney has to like solve the problem at any point. It's just they do have a responsibility to at least address it, but we all did agree on that episode. It, it didn't go far enough. They show the scene, but then they never address anything else after that. So that that's kind of the issue that I think a lot of people have with um, mental health in the MCU is that like they kind of start out with an idea and they abandon it. Like look at uh, Iron Man three. Like that film starts out with Tony Stark having very bad PTSD after the first Avengers film. And then about halfway through the movie, all that stuff kind of just fucks off and it never really plays into anything else after that. <laughs> it's like he just kind of got over it. It's like, well, that's not really how it works. But we need to have the big exploding action at the very end of the movie. So I guess we have to forget about it. Maybe that's what they're trying to make a point about.
0: I, I think my, my thing was like nowadays they they are consulting someone. In the past, that wasn't necessarily a thing. Or it's not always the case that they're consulting someone um, about this. And um, I guess there's that quote, like, right? With great power comes great responsibility. So, like, the more you you grow and the more you're out there, you sort of, like, become more aware of how much power you hold, right? Like, this is kind of like what we were talking about today. Like, what the power the social media or media in general has on our life because that's like anybody can access that and we all sort of have our own interpretation of it and if we are just being shown in almost every single um, movie that you just get over you know PTSD or that you know depression is a thing that you experience once and then you you get better or you just forget about it then that's what we're going to believe because we don't know anything else Right. And then I guess there's yeah. that responsibility of like, once you get big enough, like, you know, people like, I guess it's the thing, right? Like, it's a you're, little bit like we are a little bit responsible.
2: Influence. I'm yeah, sorry, you're what? big enough to make an. I'm sorry, you're big enough to make an influence at that point. So you should use your power wisely to, to make said influence, but don't abuse it, you know? Yeah,
0: right. And it's a fine line, too, because, like, do you always have to use that, like, your platform to, you know, highlight things? Because that can have, a, they can be hurtful for your own mental health as well. I'm just thinking of sort of, like, creators and, like, single, like, you know, actors and, and singers and stuff. It is good that they use their platform to, like, you know, highlight certain things that, you know, we need to, that need to be addressed. Um, and sometimes like even the fans get mad at people where they're like well why aren't you saying anything about what just happened in the news and I'm like well they're humans too and sometimes they need to like lay back and like step away and not always be on top of everything you know Mm -hmm. so Mm. there has to like we there has to be that balance of understanding right like they have like these big movie studios they can they have the power to like showcase all these things but they don't re- really have to because their main thing is entertainment not educating us on like mental health right but if you know if there's a compromise <laughs> that can be reached <laughs> and do both then that's fantastic
1: yeah yeah oh i think the uh, the other issue is the um the way in which society you were discussing this with how like celebrity is portrayed within our media s- cycle now the way which uh Nima um Nima uh, no no Mima. Nima um how was her name is, mean- is it is it Mima yeah Mima yes, yeah, right. yeah Mima <laughs> yeah Mima uh, God, I was, why did I blank on that um <laughs> the way in which she is expected to behave versus how she wishes she could behave versus what society thinks she behaves as versus what is written about her on a, on a blog. Like it, it, the, uh, the layers and how deep they go just to get back to, Oh yeah, that's who she really is. And the last line of the movie is, yes, I'm the real thing. Oh, that that line was
2: gorgeous. Yeah.
0: Wait, wait, but like, was she being sarcastic? was she like actually meaning it? Me? Cause like I've been thinking, like maybe I'm just overthinking this, but I'm like, wait, is she the real her or is she like one of the other personality?
2: No, they, they were saying that, that it is confirmed that that was her, um, because she was visiting her former like agent in the mental mm-hmm. hospital. And they were saying, Hey, she is DID. She's working well. There's days she still thinks she is you. Um, But as she's leaving, she overhears some of the nurses like, "Oh, that can't be Mima. She she would never be here. You know that can't really be her. That can't be her." And that's when she goes in her car and she's like, "No, it's the real me. This is Mimi. Mm. You know, like that's Mm -hmm. what I would do. It's not the celebrity me. It's not the whatever. It's even though she tried, this bitch tried to kill me. She (laughs) always was nice to me, and I and she understood it was a mental illness." and yeah. the real her is going to do what she wants and to visit her because she cares because that's what she wants. So that line at the end was beautifully done because she is oh, yeah. self affirm it's a self affirmation like this is me. I want it to be me. Screw the rest of you guys. I'm doing me
0: now, you know. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like the expectations. She's like, "Oh, I don't really care what your expectations are. This is what I want to do. So I'll be doing this mm-hmm. now." Thank you.
1: Yep.
2: yeah honestly, and I, I honestly i think that's uh that's how everyone should be, man, you know, be yourself uh
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know don't don't follow anybody else's agenda that's that's all on you so yeah it 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 is hard, <sighs> but possible,
0: and I really it, admire it, people who who do that because it it's hard and it can be. It's scary to just be yourself and show that you're a flawed human being and then you also make mistakes right
1: yeah if i could venture into that a bit uh th- in uh the film business mental health is something that is not given a lot of uh attention <laughs> i can guarantee mm. that right now like I-, I was on a the pilot that i was on last year i was t- i told my boss i think it was on the last day of filming i was like I- i'm sorry if i've been a little bit you know Spotty with my performance the last week. It's like because I've been going through some mental health issues, and he just he basically said to me, "Yeah, that's not my problem. Yeah, this is my boss." <laughs> and I was kind of like, "Yeah, they don't really give a shit if you're having issues because you're immediately replaceable." Hmm. Hmm. Like it's, and that's thing with the being in the film industry is that it's very difficult. You have to basically just suck it up and deal with it. It's not like a regular job. Even then, like a job's outside of the film business, mental health also is not given enough attention.
2: Oh, no. I, in I, any I, regard. I can be an advocate for that um, with my crime scene cleaning job that I used to do. You know, and that, whew, that's a whole other op. That's a, you know what? That's going to be another episode, people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sun, sunshine cleaning. That'll be another episode. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll go into that in a massive detail. I can, whew. The days I could spend on that. Um, (laughs) And, you know, sadly,
0: this also applies to mental health professions. Because, like, we know. We know the stress that it can cause. We know how, you know, our performance can, you know, change. Because Mm -hmm. of, you know, if we're struggling with mental health stuff. Or, like, if we're being overworked. Yet, there's tons of agencies out there who, like, when they hire you, they expect you to see, you know, like, just eight clients back to back and that's really difficult because you're talking about really hard topics all the time yeah and like you need time to like eat lunch and take a break and just breathe and like mm-hmm. that's one of the things that i was about to
2: say it, it, it's kind of like the the old saying like doctors make the worst patients type of deal we're like
0: learning all about like all of these things and there's so many expectations you know that we have to fulfill um And then you're like, wait, in class you're talking about how this can really affect you, but yet you're not (laughs) really taking into consideration that it can really affect me?
1: Yeah. Like, that's the thing about the film business. Like, that pilot I did last year, no day was shorter than 13, 14 hours. And they didn't care.
0: (laughs) And, and, you (laughs) know, that's crazy. I think, like, just... Me, like I do not understand why they don't care. Because if they want good performances, if they want people to be at the top of their game, you can't do things like that. Oh, because it was money.
1: That, that, that that was it. It was yeah. money. They need they wanted the pilot so they could make a new TV show so they could make a boatload of money. That was it. That was all.
0: <laughs> yeah. <And laughs>
1: I wish it was more complicated, but there's a lot of shady stuff that happens in the film business, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. People are replaceable on film sets, unfortunately. If you're below the line, at least. Well,
0: and, trust and me, can, I
1: know a lot about this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that can happen even with really big names, too, right? Like, if they do something that's sort of like outside of the box they've been placed in, they can be dismissed. They can be forgotten. Their career could end. Mm hmm. And
1: it's happened before.
0: Mm hmm. And it'll probably yeah. happen again, sadly. Probably. But, you know, hopefully, if people listening mm. to this podcast, <laughs> um, <clears throat> they'll have more of an understanding of, you know, there's a lot of the behind the scenes that we don't understand. And we can't really, and we probably never will, but we can't really make judgments, you know, based on what we're shown.
1: Mm-hmm. Like We have to also right. think
0: about what could be happening, you know, behind the scenes as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that, that's the other thing is the uh, the way the industry is portrayed in the film compared to real life. I said it, it's very accurate to real life. Um, it, the fact that the people behind the scenes, like her agent on the set, it seems at the beginning they just don't seem to care. Like, oh, yeah, this is a great opportunity for you. And then when they see the rape scene taking place, it just breaks them. They realize, oh, man, we really screwed up. This is not okay <laughs> at all. They realize the damage it's doing to them. And also the and also when you watch the wind film for a second time, when you know the twist about uh, Rumi, when uh-huh. you know the twist that that uh, she is actually taking on the persona of uh Mima, you realize how it how it how how vile she sees what's happening in front of her you know and yeah. I wonder
0: if that was sort of like her way of dealing with everything going wrong like she just wanted things to go back to being normal so then she started pretending she was her or believing that she was Mima.
1: that might have been what what caused it yeah
0: yeah there was that aspect of um, I, I think I just kept thinking about safety the whole time like, none of the characters really felt safe, whether it was emotional or, like, like physically safe, because everything was happening so fast, and things seemed to be sort of out of their control for, like, Mm -hmm. the entire movie. And and then, so, like, things were just kind of, like, swept under the rug, like, when... um, the photographer and the director, they were killed. They were like, yeah, that has nothing to do with you or like that letter that exploded that was addressed to her.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It was such a good movie. I can't get over it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, a lot of his films, they, they work even better on uh, multiple viewings. You're intended to watch them more than once. Yeah, so this is definitely one. It's now that you know the twist, go back and watch it again and you'll see little things uh, uh, sprinkled in.
0: I think what, that's one of, like, I guess the points of what makes a movie great. Because the more you watch it, the more you're like, yes, I understand how oh, This all makes sense. Or you notice, like, the little details that are, like, throughout the whole movie that you missed mm-hmm. the first time.
1: When you can watch it again and again and you always find something new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Basically, mental health in the film business needs to be given a lot more attention, please. <laughs> especially in for any all business that, in or any right. business. Yeah, just any business, but film industry especially where it's not really respected at all. Basically, it's 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 profoundly ignored. It it needs to be given attention.
2: Can I so. also just say especially for child actors? Yeah, especially yeah. for child actors.
1: Yeah, like look at uh uh Jake Lloyd from Phantom Menace.
2: Oh gosh, that, he is a garbage dumpster fire at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Everybody owes him an apology. He was doing yeah, what he was told.
2: He he is so messed up now. I feel bad for that kid.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm.
2: Ugh. But but yeah. Um, Perfect blue. Holy crap! What a roller coaster. Mm um (laughs) nothing but craziness uh i i would say go watch it do it now um i will say my famous line uh if you rent or buy i would still tip this movie because it's that good
1: Um, (laughs) isn't there a box set of all of satoshi khan's films because he only had like six or seven
2: there's not a box. There, sadly, is not. But what they're slowly doing with his films is, um, they're slowly doing releases in like the aluminum tin release with the with the cover art and stuff.
1: Oh, um, oh, yeah, okay, yeah,
2: yeah, like the Millennium Actress one that I showed you and Seth in the group chat. I was like, I got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're slowly re-releasing all of his films like that, just because of the resurgence. Um, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, go out and buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. All hail the church of Satoshi Khan.
0: Mm. Um,
2: but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this is where we should wrap up. Otherwise, it's going to be a 10 hour episode because that's how long we could talk about this. Um,
1: <laughs> it's a very dense movie.
2: Yeah. Uh, Jesse, let the people know where they can find you.
1: Uh, You can find me uh, on Twitter at Hardcore B-Shots. I'm also over on Split the Difference podcast, comparing original films to their remakes. And also Film Rescue Show, which has come back for its seventh season. Why do we do this to ourselves? Um,
2: I just explained uh, Film Rescue. I was like, when we're off season, I'm sober just so I can be drunk when season starts.
1: (laughs) So your tolerance goes away. Yeah. So Uh, I
2: I do that so I can survive. um, Yeah. (laughs) Film rescue.
1: Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. We have a hell of a season ahead of us. Um, And also we have the other uh, podcast. We have two whatever's way up where we just chat about, you know, whatever we want to talk about. Uh, And I think that's it for me.
2: Yeah, and Elizabeth, let the people know where they can find you and your amazingness because you are amazing and we're stealing you before you get big and famous yourself. Huh? <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you. I, <laughs> I, I, cla- I claimed you first, I claimed you. <laughs> so
0: um, before I, I get to like where people can find me, I just want to sort of like remind everyone that you know, struggling with mental health is difficult. It can be difficult. And adding social media on top of that because you have, you know, it's sort of everywhere and it's very difficult to avoid. But just sort of remember, you know, to build yourself a supportive community. Give yourself time to meditate and reflect. Ask for help if you need it. And don't rush. (laughs) Don't rush into like any decision just because people around you are telling you or because it's expected by society. Just take your time. Um, but anyway, you can find me at, at psychologyforgeeks.com. That's my website, also my YouTube channel uh, where I talk about um, movies or shows that I like and I explain certain uh, topics of mental health that were either seen or they reminded me of. And you can also find me on social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, on their superpower toolkit. That is super PWR toolkit.
2: Beautiful, and you better hit her up because, like I said, I'm stealing this girl. She's awesome. <laughs> um, and you can find me at most social media websites as Biohazard underscore Leia. And doing this podcast, and I'm getting sloshed with Jesse on Film Rescue and split the difference because <clears throat> that's how we survive those things. Um and yeah that should be it I, as I'm going to piggyback off what Elizabeth said I obviously we're huge advocates of mental health go get help if you need it I am also here if, if you want the cheaper option to vent to <laughs> if you don't have the money to go see somebody I will always lend an ear and help you out Sorry. with whatever I can so on that note, have an amazing rest of the day until you get tripped up by perfect blue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll see you later and have a good rest of the day, guys. Good night. is Mind
1: Brain is
2: Mind
1: Brain. Mind Brain is Mind Brain. Mind brain, is mind brain.